0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the
1: best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events... The widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
0: It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute
2: and i know that i can't fix it i can help even just a little bit won't you let me try hello welcome to our last Powers. this is scott powers with my colleague mark lazarus of the athletic mark hello how are you doing scott i'm good good uh yeah, it's heavy, these are heavy times, so let's have a yeah, little holiday for a it's half just, hour, right? It <laughs> yeah, it's maybe nice to be distracted for a minute uh, from life. Um, it does. It
3: does feel strange, you know. You and I are going back and forth on Slack, kicking around story ideas, and everything just seems kind of silly and yeah, unnecessary no, does, right now, doesn't it? No, it's and
2: the only for me. It's like it's 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 almost a nice just to have something else, you know. Like I. I need to get off fucking Twitter. I need to,
3: yeah, I just, it's it's nice having, uh, Facebook's been worse than Twitter for me, because Facebook, I'm
2: not, I'm not a big Facebook person, (laughs) so I'm, I'm glad I, I, I've got,
3: I've got family, all my family's far away, so Facebook is like the, you know, it's how you keep track of my kids, and keep in touch with everybody, and stuff, and, Every now and then I wander you know, my little bubble is, is is what it is, and everyone's pretty much on the same wavelength, but every now and then I wander into the friends of a friend of a friend's bubble, and I'm just horrified by what I see <laughs> and I, I wind up screaming at a stranger for like 20 minutes, I'm like, "What am I doing with my life right now?" And then I you know close the laptop for a second, watch love It and list it, and hang out with my kids for a bit.
2: yeah it's uh, yeah no I just yeah. I just ignore my family all over the country, so <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's probably safer. <laughs>
2: there's too many people that I found that I just I I thought that we had similar values and thoughts and I've learned otherwise throughout all this for many reasons and
3: it's just it's that's been honestly that's been the only redeeming quality of the last three and a half years to really look at it is there is nobody in my family who I have to hate and that's great like (laughs) everyone who I'm friends with and everyone who I'm stuck with is a semi-decent human being and that's that's been oddly heartwarming
2: yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, I found that I've been hanging out with some not so decent humans. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, people's true colors come out in certain situations, and uh, we're seeing a lot of ugliness by from a lot of people. I think. Yeah. Um, so uh, what... so let's get let's get into the frivolity here. I mean, uh, when we last recorded, it was before Gary Bettman's uh, uh, basement press conference about the return to play plan. We were talking about it hypothetically, and now you know there's something tangible there. Um, what, what, what was your initial impression? It's
2: it's weird because I couldn't remember whether we recorded before or after it, or it was like it just it feels like it was. I don't know if just like the last three or four days it just felt like forever, but it's yeah, it's I honestly couldn't remember when that actually occurred, and um, I guess it, it did happen after our last podcast, so um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of things that we expected. I, I didn't expect to hear Chicago as a potential hub city. Um, I, I think that was one of the more surprising parts, and um, it, it sounds like uh, the Chicago wants this to happen. Obviously, the Blackhawks would like it for it to happen. Um, the, the strange part of that be is would be if the Blackhawks get it, that probably means the Blackhawks go play somewhere else. But um, it's, uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, they're they're obviously laying the road for, for what's ahead and, and and there's so many different unknowns and, and I figure, you know, the NHL and the NHLPA are going to get into so many different specifics here in the coming weeks and, and, and testing and um, God, it's almost, it's so weird. You almost forget that there's like a pandemic going on when, you know, like, it's, right. everything else has been so much bigger in the last few days and yeah i I don't know I, i feel like a lot of it made sense i mean they obviously uh you know like there's a lot of focus on testing and they realize how important that is and i i think there are some very um general plans that they need to iron out and you know just even thinking about chicago as a potential hub city and um, you know the security and um, yeah, just uh, you know putting someone in a bubble like that in, in a larger city and um, you know not exposing people and then transportation and um, and, and then also you know I, I think we mentioned this on Slack the last few days it's like what's what's the upside of the Blackhawks doing this too like it's if you're bringing a thousand people into Chicago from all parts of the world obviously they're they're going to go through testing and being quarantined and all those things but um, other than being um, you know the the team that does it. Like uh, I, I guess the city also has to examine whether uh, whether. I mean, there's there's going to be some risk involved. So, is the uh, the the upside outweigh the risk? So, I think there are so many different factors, and I figure, you uh, know, I feel like that in the coming weeks we're going to hear more about specifics and, and and the leagues. I'm sure the players will push back on some issues, and um, you know, it doesn't. think it's it's not going to be a financial issue like baseball, or but but there are definitely going to be some concerns about players, and I think we'll hear more about those as, as the time goes on here.
3: Yeah, it's important to realize that you know there there hasn't been an agreement to play. There's been an agreement on this, the the system in which they would play if they do play, and there's still so many logistical hurdles, health hurdles. You know, the the PA still has to clear a lot of things before this actually happens. Um, but I, I think a lot of people were surprised that the NHL of all the major sports leagues was the first one to come out and come up with a plan like this, and I, I think that was by design, as Gary Bettman wanted to get ahead of it. But um, it's it, it's important to realize that you know all this discussion that's happening in baseball right now. Is immaterial in hockey because there's already a 50 50 split in hockey related revenue. So, you know, the, the players don't have any kind of grievance to file about, well, you're going to prorate our salaries or cut our salaries because their salaries are tied to revenue. So, that's a huge hurdle that the NHL was able to overcome, even with its usual disorganization and, and bad communication. They've done a pretty good job of having the return to play committee with the star players, uh, the NHLPA, uh, the chapter, uh, chapter, whatever they're called, their uh, player, rep- player reps talking to the team everyone's been in good open communication and they're all generally on the same page and i think that's easier in hockey because a the financial system is rigid so there's not a lot of gray area there or wiggle room anyway but b hockey realizes it's it's in a different situation than some of these other sports where it needs to play it needs mm-hmm. it can't survive not playing and i think the players understand that as well as the owners do that they're not on the same kind of footing that the nfl or baseball or or, or the nba is where they need to do this more than the other leagues really do. Like, if baseball cancels its season, which is becoming increasingly likely, uh, it's going to be a freaking disaster for the sport, but baseball will come back. Hockey needs to come back now, as soon as possible, and to do it safely. And so the system, the plan they came up with, it's not not a bad plan. I mean, every aspect, it was well thought out. Even the draft lottery, you know, they didn't rig it for the Red Wings. Um, There is still some hinkiness to it, but overall it's a pretty well thought out plan. I just still don't know how realistic it's going to be, what the country's going to look like in three or four weeks. For sure. I think
2: the NHL understands that, it, that there's so much upside to being the first league that comes back or, or near the first. And and especially when you're talking about the revenue coming from advertising and TV, um, that if, if you're the thing, the watch that's, that's a huge value, you know. Like when the Premier League comes back in June, it's gonna, the number is gonna, sh- sh- you know, just shoot. I up might even watch of, it. I don't even. Like yeah, soccer. there you go. See, there. We'll have to, uh we'll have to start a pull up to see how we can get. uh Yeah, you got. You'll have, to, you'll, 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 you'll have to. You'll have
3: to decide. You'll have to decide for me which team I'm supposed to root for. I've only ever heard of the Hot Spurs because they've got a guy named Kane on it. Yeah, right? Hot Spurs. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's the only team I've um, ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't have a team myself. I've, I've
2: always uh, struggled with just picking a team that you don't live near or can't go to games. I know, to, it like seems I, so weird. Yeah, it's uh, – uh, but we'll have to talk – like, Michael Bryan had a whole system where he picked a team, and I know people have gone through – Brian Sandalow is, I believe, a Tottenham fan. So we'll have I did a Bundesliga uh,
3: flowchart that picked a team for him. I already forgot what they're called, though.
2: <laughs> you don't have a jersey yet, huh?
3: <laughs> Uh
2: it, 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 you just got to be careful with the German teams because the, a lot of them are connected to uh, the
3: Nazis and yeah a lot of history and so, <laughs> yeah I don't I don't like rooting for German things in general I usually try to avoid it so <laughs> yeah I, I know people have done research on certain German teams
2: and there's some to probably stay away from so um, I love the
3: uh, it's like the Sarah Silverman song uh, Jewish people driving German cars what the fuck is that shit is how the chorus goes so
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh and then, even now, like, it's, it's, I mean, we're talking about something at the end of what I guess camps could ha- happen in, uh, what are we talking about? Early July? Well,
3: July 10th is the earliest now that it would happen. Yeah. So you're probably figuring a little later than that. I mean, they're not playing hockey till August. That's pretty clear.
2: Yeah. It, it was a bit, it was a bit mind blowing even to see, like, if there was video of, uh, Kelvin DeHaan on the ice and like to see someone on the ice was like such a foreign, you know, like, it's like, Oh, they're on, like, where are they? Are they hiding? You know, like, and there's obviously other parts of the country where the things are more open, but it was, uh, you know, they have DeHaan on the ice is, is a, it's a good sign for the Blackhawks too, that, uh, you know, he could be ready when, whenever things return, but just, uh, yeah, the idea of seeing your people, um, I don't know how soon people are going to be flocking back to Chicago to, uh, you know, if they, if they start allowing the, uh, uh, you know, the small team workouts are just, the, you know, just the in the, with just a few people or so. But um, I, I think there are places where you, you can go skate now and, and certainly, you know, and, you know, guys have been skating in Sweden and and obviously and the Han and their parts of Canada people are skating. So it's uh, I, I guess we'll start seeing more of that is uh, in, in the coming weeks as as people do start thinking about hockey again.
3: I'm just of such two minds about it. Like, you know, the 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 primordial part of my brain's like, yeah, let's play hockey. I can't wait. I need sports. Let's do it. And then, you know, I went out yesterday to pick up some groceries and I just saw just so many people just out and about. And, you know, there's a line outside of Burlington Coat Factory to get in, and half the people aren't wearing masks and they're not social distancing. <laughs> and it's like, are you not paying yeah. attention? I just I just feel like you know in 2 weeks it's the, the we're going to be right back to where we started and like none of this feels realistic to me and maybe that's the cynic in me maybe maybe i'm being overly pessimistic man i hope i'm wrong i want so badly to be wrong but i find it so difficult to imagine them doing anything let alone playing sports contact sports where guys are sweating and spitting and you know all over the place in in, in a month or even 2 months from now it just it feels so far fetched to me right now uh, I, I I'm I, every every five minutes it's like my head my brain switches directions I'm like excited and then pessimistic and then excited and then pessimistic and it's like you get emotional whiplash trying to keep up with it all.
2: Yeah, I, I think once they get to the I mean if if they get the players in and you know like the idea of playing like I don't like obviously there's risk of of them infecting each other and um but yeah to your point that, that just it's. I don't know. It feels like people are, are returning back to normal way too soon. And I, I know everyone feels like that, you know, we've already put in two plus months of this and we reserve this. But it's it's not exactly the way it works. And I, and I really do hope that, um, you know, Chicago is going to open up on Wednesday and, um, you know, daycares are opening up. And it just it's uh, there's a lot of different protocols and people are putting in place. And, you know, everyone's trying to be safe. But there there are people who aren't. And, and we also are. And the protests gonna put- are
3: going to be. The protests are going to be points of uh, infection and, 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 you know, spreading the disease that way, too, because people are running around yeah. without masks on. And, you know, that's obviously not the focus there, but it's just it's going to be another side effect of all of this. And I just it's hard to imagine we'll be ready to have any kind of normalcy this summer.
2: Uh, before we have uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman to talk about the Bla- uh, the Oilers and the Blackhawks, uh, can we talk about something, something fun, anything different? Like, I just want to. I want to laugh or just, <laughs> I feel like crying, you know? Like, like, but, uh, how's, uh, what do you have in mind? Nintendo, Nazis? You want to about guns. Nazis some more? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: how's the Nintendo game system for you?
3: It's good. This is like the I, I bought it like the first week of quarantine. I was never I, I didn't I never wanted my daughters to be like you know the kind that just there and play Fortnite for ten hours a day. But um, we 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 got the Lego Harry Potter game. Mike Horan of the Blackhawks PR team suggested. I guess he's a big Harry Potter nerd. I didn't know that. And he suggested we get the Lego Harry Potter game because I was going to get Animal Crossing, and it's fun, man. We just run around reductoing stuff left and right, and <laughs> you know blasting Death Eaters, and uh, kids having the time of her life. And you know it's weird because. You know, I, I grew up with, I had a Nintendo in my room when I was like five years old when it first came yeah. out, and I, I turned out okay, but I'm always like, no, no screens and this blah, 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 blah. I think it's kind of like, you almost need to know how to play video games to have a social life these days with, uh, <laughs> with kids. Not just quarantine, even when this is all over, that's what kids do, is they play video games. So it's like, they have to at least have some kind of dexterity with a controller. So uh, we're, 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 we're having fun with it. It's been good. What,
2: what kind of neighborhood do you grow up in uh, New York?
3: Ah, uh, it's just standard suburbs. Long Island is just one gigantic suburb. See, we had, you know, we had. I, I lived on a, a street that had a cul-de-sac at the end of it, and we would, at, every Saturday morning at like ten a.m., we'd all get our hockey gear and we'd go and play like a fifteen-on-fifteen 15 street hockey game. Um, that's like that's what we did. And Then we played wiffle ball and we rode our bikes. I mean, I'm I'm forty years old, so I grew up in the '80s and '90s when it was still safe to ride your bike all day without your parents knowing where you were. And yeah. it, it, I, I, I I I grapple with that as a parent because it's like, you know. I, Yeah, sure. I live off a bike trail and my daughter can ride her bike. Theoretically, she should be able to go to her friend's house, but there's no effing way you can do that in 2020. So you have to kind of like figure out how to parent not the way you were raised. I mean, I didn't have a seatbelt in the car, let alone a car seat. (laughs) (laughs) I I
2: grew up in Chicago's northwest side uh, in the city and it was was, uh, yeah, just a small block. But uh, what our neighbors had hockey sticks. Um, you know, like all our houses are like three feet apart. Where we'd actually uh, there was a buddy of mine who lived next door, and we'd we'd open the windows and we hand over uh, hand over a phone so that we could all like we could talk to someone else on the phone all together. And uh, but uh, the neighbor had hockey sticks and his his their their father had it or whatever. And we, once a year we'd pull them out and we'd play on like there's four or five of us that lived nearby and we we'd play and then we're like well this is stupid and we. <laughs> away, like, and then we did it like every every year. Like we do it again. Like that was that was basically hockey, uh, growing up for me in in Chicago. Like it wasn't uh, you know it often wasn't on television. It wasn't uh, we had no ice uh, rinks available, and it was uh, it was it was always yeah. You got to you know, think in, in and... the,
3: the mid to late '80s, you had the Islanders still that kind of hangover from those great years, and then in the mid '90s, the Rangers won the cup when I was in high school. So hockey was always a big deal to me as a kid to everyone, and that's what we did. Like everybody in their garage had two or three or four hockey sticks. Uh, half of us had goalie gear for no reason. We all had a net. So we would all just bring it down to the court at the end of the road and just play for just hours and hours and hours and hours. It's like all we did.
2: Yeah. It's funny. Someone mentioned, you know, I, I was doing the uh, th- that auction uh, for the uh, the baseballs and stuff, and someone asked me about hockey pucks. And, and part of it was just, it was like nostalgia of, like, seeing all these old baseballs. And, like, it was just, yeah, I don't know. I, I grew up on on baseball and, you know, all these old names you know coming uh just it just kind of hit me in all the right spots for my childhood and stuff and (laughs) and seeing all these these cool names so um it's uh, yeah i actually got the balls this past week and was kind of going through them and it was uh, it's been neat to like just uh to to, to see them and 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 see these names and guys that guys i grew up uh grew up watching and stuff so
3: yeah my parents uh they they sold their house on long island and they moved um last year and so my dad like one day I just got a, a package delivered and it was just like all this old just random stuff like a baseball signed by most of the 92 Mets from spring training when we went down there just the scrubbiest bunch of scrubs you ever saw but I had like, <laughs> Who was was like 25 team? oh god I, Jeff Torborg was the manager and it was just <laughs> like David Cohn was there. like that's that's my big memory was I had a quick catch with David Cohn back when spring training was really like on the backfields and you can kind of like hang out with the guys but I couldn't even identify half the players on that team just garbage players but you know random billy smith autographed puck i mean all this stuff used to mean so much to me yeah. and now it seems so silly the idea of an autograph and i'm like i drive by like got the practice facility and see people trying to you know stop the cars on the way out i'm like oh god that's just so just gauche and i was like that's all i did as a kid so maybe i'm just an asshole yeah. now but it's, it, it is fun <laughs> to go back to those days where like you know you know me and i talked to jonathan Taves on a regular basis and we were kids that would have been a really big deal and it's fun yeah. to kind of be reminded of that yeah, now
2: I it's it's like I geek out over musicians sometimes or like authors and it's just it's such a different uh, it's different sort of fandom you know like the fact that we do interact with athletes and uh, get to know them in, in personal levels but it's it's like it's it's still like musicians like when I uh, you know that Scottish band the Twilight Sad right the guy gave me his set list and I was like the you know like like I, I have it and it's like it's just uh, yeah stupid things now that I I find uh, yeah that I'm more excited about. Um, should we uh, should we bring Daniel in here?
3: Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk a little uh, uh, hypothetical hockey. Okay, now we'd like to bring in our friend Daniel Nugent Bowman, also of the Athletic, out in Edmonton, uh, the proud father of a little three-week-old baby girl. So uh, he might be a little delusional, but we want to talk a little bit about the uh, the proposed hypothetical, do we even the theoretical? I don't know what we call it, but the <laughs> Blackhawks Oilers preliminary qualification series. Anyway, Daniel, how you doing? Well, uh, my
1: sleep schedule is a little backwards, upside down, and sideways. But uh, other than that, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, yeah, my wife and I uh, we have a, we have a three-week-old baby girl, so we're uh, we're kind of figuring out things as we go along here and, and trying to uh, pick pick things up, and and uh, also kind of I mean as you mentioned this week there's some some hockey stuff, so I got to get my my first week back with uh, first day back rather was Monday this week. Um, or I guess last week, maybe by the time your listeners are, are hearing this, but uh, you know, at least there's some good news there to, to talk about on the hockey front. Some tangible, although we, as you mentioned, we don't know if the series is actually going to get off the ground. But we know the Blackhawks and the Oilers will play if hockey does return. So we at least we have something kind of tangible to grasp onto here.
2: From the Blackhawks' perspective, this is obviously welcomed, and you know that they they may have not made the playoffs, and the odds were against them. From from yeah. Edmonton's perspective, what what does this look like for them? Well, it's it's funny. I, I mean, I wrote um,
1: Connor McDavid, uh, who was obviously on the return to, to play committee, uh, and uh, Darnell Nurse, who was their their player rep, who voted uh, was obviously one of twenty nine teams to vote in favor um, of this proposal. They they had a, a call the a couple days ago, and um, you know they they both kind of. It, uh, taking the high road, road maybe it's not the, the correct terminology, but they were both kind of speaking how this they were kind of doing this, uh, in, in for the good of, of, of the game. Because, you know, really, if, when it comes to the Oilers, um, I would argue that there would they'd be one of the teams that was, uh, kind of, you know, put in a bad spot for, for back of a letter better term rather, uh, by this, um, by this proposal. I mean, you can argue maybe Boston, who, you know, run away, uh, President's Trophy winners and now, you know, in this uh, kind of format, they they can uh, potentially drop down to fourth if they lose a few games. Or, or you know, uh, Pittsburgh and, and Carolina in the East, obviously they were, were well ahead of their opponents. But the Oilers are the only uh, second seed in their, in the division in a, in A division uh to not get one of those guaranteed spots uh, one of those top four spots into the playoffs um and now they're playing you know a Blackhawks team that that obviously has some champ, championship pedigrees st- uh, you know still remaining from those th- those three championship teams uh and it's a best of 5 series so uh, you know you think the Oilers would be the favorite i think they're the favorite but in a best of three or best of five series, you know, winning three games, is, anything can really happen, and and you know, all it takes is for you know Patrick Kane to go off, or you know Corey Crawford to have uh, you know two or three good games in net, and that's the end of your series. And uh, for for it to be one of the the best series, the Oilers or seasons rather, the Oilers have had in the last uh, 15 years, uh, everyone knows how lean uh, things have been in, in Edmonton, and for it to kind of go um, sideways uh, very quickly could be uh, could be very unfortunate. But but again, um, we don't know if the series is actually going to happen, so uh, I, I think uh, what McDavid and, and Nurse were kind of uh, arguing for, or, or their point was, that at least we're getting hockey back. If, if in fact it does get back, uh, and and the Oilers, um, you know, are still still playing so uh, but but again i i think you know if, if there's a glass uh, half empty way to look at it i think you know that's that's it for the oilers and they, they very easily could have been one of those teams that that could have moved on uh, uh directly to the playoffs and, and now they're having to kind of fight for their lives in a
3: short series yeah the oilers got screwed it's 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 it, i think it's an <laughs> objective fact that the oilers you don't have to tiptoe around it they got screwed I mean, to be as far ahead of the Blackhawks as they are in the playoffs and to be basically in the exact same spot, a neutral site, Five game series against a team, but like you said, not a very good team necessarily, but a team with a lot of championship pedigree uh, against an Oilers team that's made the playoffs, what, once in the entire Kane and Taves era, I think, in the last 13 years? Yes. Um, yeah, so, 06 I mean, it, and, and
1: 2017. So, yeah. Big gap so, I there. mean, I mean, yeah. they, they, and
3: they've won. They, they have like just, there's just no experience versus all the experience in the world uh, with guys like Taves and Kane and Crawford and Keith and Seabrook and all that. But, um, you know, I was talking to a Western Conference scout yesterday about this matchup and you know, it, 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 it comes down to special teams, obviously. The Oilers have one of the greatest power plays I've ever seen, and they're a great penalty yeah. kill team. But I look at the goaltending situation. I mean, the Blackhawks, you know, you wonder what it would be like if they had Robin Leonard right now, but it's going to be Corey Crawford. He's won two cups, he's had a great season. What's the goalie situation in Edmonton? Is it Mike Smith? Is it Miko Koskinen? Who would we see if this series happens? You know
1: that's a great question. Uh, the The logical choice would would be Miko Koskinen. Okay, he's had the the better season uh, all around, uh, the more consistent season, and, and the better numbers. Um, but uh, Blackhawks fans' favorite goaltender Mike Smith is uh, <laughs> kind of lurking in the in the background there, and he's a Dave Tippett favorite. and And it's funny we had Jack Edwards, the Oilers radio play by play man, on our uh, podcast a few days ago, um, and he was he. he his thought would be that that Smith would get uh, the job, uh, you know, the number one job uh, for the playoffs, uh, given you know how much um, clout he seems to have with with Dave Tippett. They've you know they go back years uh, with with uh, Dallas and, and obviously more recently Phoenix slash Arizona. So. Um, it's it's it, you know there's that old uh, hockey proverb where you know if you have two number one goalies you don't have one right and and that's the kind of the issue with with the Oilers I mean again logically it would be Miko Koskinen his 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 numbers and his, his track record this year uh, kind of speak to that but uh, Mike Smith has a lot of pull with the players in that room they really like him and um, you know I could I could totally see I mentioned this in a story recently um, that. They could use both guys. I mean, we don't know exactly exactly what this is going to, to look like if they play on back-to-back uh, days. Um, I mean, the Oilers' record uh, in, in the regular season in the second game of, of, of back-to-back games was seven and one, which is which is great. Uh, they obviously used uh, both goaltenders in in those games. Like they would they would uh, not have uh, the same goalie start both those games. So these playoffs are going to be completely unique, and and I could totally see them using both goaltenders. That you know that's kind of goes against. Uh, traditional uh you know methodology here but um it's a big question for the oilers and and ultimately one that you don't ideally want to have going into the playoffs i mean the blackhawks maybe would have that same issue had they not traded uh robert uh, robin laner but uh you're you're right i mean obviously Corey crawford's the guy there right
2: now and the oilers don't have the guy for them for me this is a really interesting matchup because there are a lot of teams that have the Blackhawks struggled against this season, and and the Oilers they they actually played well when you look at the yeah. you know the, the games and the underlying numbers and um I I was I haven't gone back and watched any of the games yet you know I'd like to do that in the coming weeks but I guess even I guess is that this become more of a reality but what where, where do you think the Blackhawks are a challenge for the Oilers and why why do you think maybe that the Oilers had more success against other teams this season. Well it's funny you mentioned that and I wrote this week but I don't know I feel like you
1: can throw a lot of that out the window I mean for the Oilers, the the first like, they played terribly uh, especially the first game uh, in Chi- in Chicago the two on the road they they're they're one and two. Uh, both losses coming. Uh, in Chicago. Uh, and the first uh, loss was way back in October. It was the sixth game of the year. They were five and zero, uh, and they had a four-game uh, road trip. They had won all three. Uh, they just looked completely dead in that game. Um, you know, missing Adam Larson. There are a lot of kind of excuses, and it's just so long ago. We, you know, we think back to the last uh, game uh, for the Oilers and and for a lot of teams. Uh, you know, mid March, March eleventh. Uh, seeming like uh, you know three years ago, and, and to go back to October yeah. is like another another decade almost, right? So, um, um, the yeah the the second game in Chicago, I remember them playing much better, although they got down three you nothing, know, uh, kind of midway through the game, uh, you know had to have goaltending change, uh, shuffled up some lines, uh, they they battled back and lost four three, but, um, you know. So those two games, actually the second one in Chicago was at the end of a, of a shorter road trip as well. Um, so you know there's some some I th- I think some some issues that kind of um, led to those losses. Uh, the win uh, was without Connor McDavid actually in Edmonton. So there's there's a lot of uh, I don't I don't know how much you you'd want to read into that, but um, basically so you I, say the I Oilers think are the, better
2: without Connor McDavid. Clearly,
1: uh, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, you know, when when you look at uh, you know the way that that Chicago is able to beat them, and I, I you know, I, I think a lot of it is kind of that that high power, uh, you know, few forwards that Chicago has, obviously led by by Patrick Kane and um, the Oilers. You know, we had, again, Jack Michaels, the, the radio play-by-play guy, and he was talking about the key to that, one of the keys to that series in terms of shutting down Patrick Kane would be having uh, some of their heavier defensemen, Darnell Nurse and, and maybe even Adam Larson, uh, m- making that the, the priority in terms of shutting him down, being physical on him. Uh, that is obviously way easier said than done, given how, how slick and, and elusive uh, Patrick Kane can be on the ice. But... um I think that was a uh, you know an area that that they they really struggled. I remember a couple of the games like defensively, uh, you know, Kane and and a couple other uh, guys really kind of took it to the Oilers, especially in, in Chicago on those on those nights where the Oilers didn't really seem to have it. So, um, you know, uh, the Oilers are, are not a very good five on five team, and if there's one area uh, where the Blackhawks could could um, and take advantage of the Oilers. Is, is at five on five. And and as we know, um, typically the, the refs uh, tend to put their whistles a little, away a little bit more in the playoffs. So that could be a, a huge detriment to the Oilers because, you know, they had the number two penalty kill in the league. Their their power play was, uh, uh, you know, I think the fourth best all time since the, the NHL started keeping uh, those stats uh, in the mid-70s. So uh, that could be a huge, huge issue for the Oilers if they if they don't uh, you know, aren't able to uh, to get you know power plays and and to lesser degree penalty kills uh, in in you know uh, at at a great uh, degree against the Blackhawks because Chicago could take advantage of, of Edmonton at
3: five on five. Yeah, staying out of the box is obviously going to be huge for Chicago in in in, in this series if it happens. But uh, you know, for the better part of a decade in Chicago, there's been the discussion of whether the Blackhawks are better or worse with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane on the same line. Joel Quenville always liked to keep them separate, make opponents pick their poison. You know, uh, allow Taves to take on tougher defensive matchups, allow Kane to get better uh, uh, offensive matchups. How do you expect uh, you know McDavid and Drysidle? They play together. They play apart. What do you expect it to look when when they come back? What what is Tippett's plan uh, off the bat? You think going to be? Uh, they'll be apart,
1: uh, likely. I mean, like stranger things have happened, but they've basically been apart uh, since kind of early to mid December. Um, Okay. And that was that was a real turning point for the team. Actually, uh, coming into the new year, they called uh, Kyler Yamamoto up uh, from the American Hockey League, their first round pick uh, from twenty seventeen, uh, and and they put uh, Yamamoto, Dry and and Ryan Nugent Hopkins together, and that line just went off. Um, it, it was actually a little bit of, a, of an issue for McDavid because uh, not only did he not have um, uh, Drysital, uh, he he didn't really have a. a um, you know a, a highly skilled winger that he, that he could play with. That's you know, obviously an area that Oilers really need to address, um, and so that's that's kind of been an issue um, throughout the the second half of of this uh, now now uh, ended season here, uh, finding line mates for for Connor McDavid, and they did a lot of he was out f- uh, for a little bit with the with the quad injury there in, in February uh, when he came back, um, they had a couple of, of wingers come in and Andre back and, Andres and uh, Tyler Ennis and the, the trade deadline. They tried those two players with, uh, with McDavid, James Neal came back and they tried him, Zach Cassian uh, up and down. And, and obviously Cassian was kind of the, uh, the, the right winger with the uh, McDavid and dry uh for the, you know, first couple months of the season. So um, right before the break, they put the, um, uh, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins on McDavid's line and kind of tried to to uh, balance out those top two lines a little bit more. So that could be a, a route that uh, that Dave Tippett tries uh, try to trying to perhaps find a little bit more balance for those top two lines. But he certainly has something going or did have something going with um, with Nugent-Hopkins, Dry and and Kyler Yamamoto. So uh, that could be a little bit of an issue but I, but I uh, in terms of trying to find that winger for McDavid but keeping uh, McDavid and Dry settled apart, I think, is almost a given. Uh, and, um, you know, obviously they, they play together on the power play and, and work their magic there. So um, when we talked about that last game between Edmonton and Chicago in Chicago, uh, McDavid uh, was playing with with uh, James Neal, who had just come back from an injury, uh, and uh, Tyler Ennis, uh, uh, they were, you know, dealt a, a steady dose of, of Keith and uh, and Taves uh, did not do very well in that game. They ended up, uh, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but their their uh, their their course four percentage was was dreadful. They were, I think, McDavid was minus three. Uh, they ended up moving um, NS off the line and bringing Athen to C U up. But what that did though was was obviously it gave uh, dry side a little, a little bit of. Um, uh, you know, leeway, and, and Drysaddle had two assists in that game and, and uh, helped, uh, you know, the Oilers get back in that game. So uh, it, it does come down to a little bit of pick-your-poison, as, as you mentioned, in terms of how the, uh, how the Blackhawks are going to have to, you know, uh, d- decide who they really want to check. Is it going to be McDavid's line or is it going to be Drysaddle's line? That, that uh, you know, was, was so uh, so great for the Oilers the last couple of months before the, the, um, the pause here.
2: I guess we only have a few more months where we can uh, we can break all this down. It's crazy how long it, uh, until these games could actually happen. There may never be any games like this that are scouted as much as this. I mean, you obviously you know your 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 opening day, you know your your opening night opponent, but it's not like you put that much energy into it. But it's it's going to be insane how how much coaches and teams are prepared for each other entering this and how much focus is into into one you know five game series. So. Um, Daniel, no, we, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Hope you're staying safe and good luck with the uh, good luck with the three month old or three week old, yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you I appreciate it very much, and I'm, I'm glad to come on. I might have to get one or both of you on our podcast uh, as in Absolutely. the coming uh, coming days and weeks here because uh, I think there'll be lots of time to to break down this series as you mentioned.
3: Our thanks to Daniel Nugent Bowman for uh, coming on and talking hockey with us. Uh, thanks to you for listening. Everybody, stay safe out there. Uh, keep your head up, and uh, let's get through this. Um, it's tough times, but uh, you know, hopefully uh, we come through on the other end looking better off. I'm Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. I'm Scott Powers. Take care.
0: Won't you let me try